2: 4-6 with a is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Ohio State ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real-time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You can also find great deals on Browns, Cavs, and Blue Jackets tickets. It doesn't get any easier than a two-tap checkout. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. The culture is the culture. It's 4 to 6 A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A and B, which I have been told by the people in my head is the fastest-growing Ohio State podcast on the internet. Did you make that up? Kind of. Right, the feedback uh, last couple of weeks has been pretty good. We've gotten uh, quite a few five-star reviews. That is coming up a little bit. I've been told on the, on the back end that, that people are listening and the show is gaining a little bit of steam as, as Ohio State continues to roll through teams. So that was my way of segueing into a thank you for everyone who's been listening to this and helping us grow it. And I will ask again because we are shameless about it. Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, Google, Spotify, tell your friends, family members to subscribe to the athletic, theathletic.com slash four six. If you're not subscribed, subscribe to the athletic, the slash four six. Still get you forty percent off. This is Bill Landis here with Ari Wasserman after Ohio State. Again blew out another team thirty-eight to seven. This one was a little different. It was uh it was close. It was it was ten nothing at halftime. It was three nothing with two minutes left in the second quarter. It was a it was a game and then Ohio State blew the doors off of what was the number thirteen team in the country. In the second half, and, and and blew them off the field, and then won again comfortably. And you know, it's we, we're in this point of the season where we always talk about R.A. Ohio State being sort of boring, good. But I thought this was different. I thought this, I thought this blowout meant something, even if in the end, it sort of felt like the sort of blah blah kind of game that Ohio
1: State's played all year. You get to a point in the season where you've, you're eight games in, something's got to mean something. You know, I mean, I, it's so easy to just miss everything that a team does by saying. Oh, well, the teams they beat suck. You know, I mean, if everybody sucks and everybody sucks, this has to mean something. And I don't think Wisconsin sucks. I think they are a perennial 10-win team. Um, 90% of the, the teams in college football would want to be Wisconsin, a team that can compete for a conference championship every year, especially considering the fact they're on a winnable side of the conference. Um, and, you know, they just don't have the the, the players to match up with Ohio State, but it doesn't mean they're not a good football team. Ohio State has looked a lot worse against way worse teams than yeah. this. Um, and I do think that the weather assisted uh, Wisconsin a little bit. Ohio State didn't even attempt to pass till late in the first quarter. Um, there was some... Conservative play calling in the first quarter because Ryan Day didn't want to put his team in a bad position, which I thought was actually better than forcing it. I thought that that was a really good sign of yeah. being a mature coach in your first year who still has something to prove and understanding, you know, where you are in in the game and who you're playing and you know everything. I thought that was tremendous. Yeah, it showed a lot
2: of confidence in his team. Yeah. I thought. yeah, yeah, that was good.
1: Um, but to turn it on in the second half at home, um, Wisconsin didn't have a chance. They have, uh, they got. Big performances out of all their best players, which I think is always crucial Mm -hmm. because when you're playing at the highest level, all of your best players need to be on. Um, And again, Wisconsin, I don't think they had the number one defense in the country, but they had the number one statistical defense in the country. And I think that pouring it on a team that physically can't stop you, especially considering the reputation of Wisconsin is that they're a very physical football team. I, I think that that was by far their best win of the year, and they looked really good doing it especially in the second half
2: yeah it'll end up being one of the best defenses in the country i agree it's not it's certainly not the best because i think ohio state is probably the best um when you talk about statistics and just i test talent on the field but ohio state went up against a, what i consider a pretty stout wisconsin defense had 200 rushing yards in, or just about 200 rushing yards in the second half jk doblins played really well i thought for all of uh Big games that J.K. has had, and and most of them were his freshman year, and he certainly had a few this year. I actually thought this might have been his best game, um, just with the conditions being what they were. Ohio State did have some struggles throwing the ball. was It wasn't a colossal struggle, but Ohio State, to win the game, I think had to run the ball effectively, and they really ran it down Wisconsin's throw, and J.K. had, had a monster game, both running the ball and catching the ball. And Ohio State actually – rushing wise outgained Wisconsin for the entire game. Wisconsin's total offense was 192 and Ohio State I think in the second half had 193 rushing yards. So, uh it was it was total domination on both sides of the ball. Jonathan Taylor had 52 yards on 20 carries. I thought it was Ohio State's defensive line's best game of the season. Devon Hamilton played really well and I'm going to write a story that'll be on the Athletic on Monday afternoon that'll highlight some of that. I thought I thought he played particularly well on a day where the whole line was good and and I think I mean, you wonder about fifth-year guys and, and the kind of impact they can make coming back for their last year. I think Devon Hamilton has been on an upward trend as a guy who might who will get NFL looks, and this was a game that's really going to help that. I thought he played very well. Um, but Chase Young was the guy who stuck out the most, and, and we're, again, having the conversation about whether or not defensive players can win Heisman trophies. This feels very legitimate to me. He had four sacks, five tackles for loss, two forced fumbles. Both of those forced fumbles led to Ohio State touchdown drives. He leads the country with 13.5 sacks. He's second with 15 and a half tackles for loss. He's second in the country with five force fumbles. He he individually has more sacks than 39 teams in the country do this year. I've only covered the team since 2014. It's the most individual, most dominant individual performance I've seen from a player not only in a game against Wisconsin, against Wisconsin, but also over the course of this season. We put up the straw poll from the Athletic College football staff for the Heisman Trophy on Monday. Chase Young is. Second now, behind Joe Burrow, he got 10 first-place votes. How much of this, Ari, do you think is just us reacting to the moment and Chase Young having a monster game, and how much legitimacy do you give to the Chase Young's ability to actually contend for
1: the Heisman Trophy this year? The Heisman Trophy is not a trophy for the best player in college football. Correct. It's just not. Well, it's supposed to be, but it's not. It's supposed to be, but it's not. It's a popularity test, and it's predicated based on offensive numbers and how many cool plays you have on the way to the end zone. If the best player in college football won it, there'd be a lot of defensive players who won it. Mm -hmm. So, like, as a former Heisman voter, I I had one for one year. I don't know how they do that. I mean, they kind of change the voters up a little bit, but I had one a few years ago. You don't have one now? I didn't have one last year, no. Unless I'm forgetting. I can't remember.
2: I don't think they just... There are, like, 900 Heisman voters, and half of them don't deserve a vote. It's strange to me that they took one away from you. You should. Uh, I think Bruce Hooley. Yeah, Bruce Hooley was the guy who trusted. did it, so I
1: don't know yeah. who decides that. But weird. Um, maybe it was because I voted for Anthony Miller when I did it two years ago, and I put him at third because I thought he deserved to be on the ballot because he was the best player in college football, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's kind crazy. I think that was a crazy thing to do. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to be different and unique, and if you're watching college football in general, I thought he was the best player I'd watched all year. Memphis
2: receiver. Receiver for Memphis. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't even think he won the uh, best receiver, the the Blutnikoff award.
2: I don't think he did either.
1: But he – we don't need to go down that road. But my point is is that I've always tried to think about it differently. And as a voter and as people who are voting, like Craig Sager has a vote. Like there's a lot of people who aren't watching the games or just looking at offensive statistics. And uh, you get to a point where you have to decide whether or not it's even worth voting for him because it's kind of like the presidential election, right? Like everybody doesn't feel like their vote matters. Uh, and I, I just don't know. Craig Sager's
2: dead. Just a point of clarification.
1: Thanks, Matt Fortuna, for making me look like an idiot on my podcast. Um, but I think that that was just a point of reference of like the types of people who had votes.
2: There, yeah. I mean, if you look and through the rest of the peace to Craig Sager, I don't know he died. Yeah, strong suit game he died a few years ago. Um, there are plenty of people that that particular example aside who have Heisman votes who don't deserve them, who don't watch college football.
1: So it's a discussion of legitimacy. If you vote for Chase Young and other people vote for Chase Young, they have to make it a legitimate argument. And I don't know if we're at that point yet in terms of it being like a real life situation where he might actually go to New York. And I think there are a lot of voters, even when I was doing the straw poll, I'm like, am I going to put Chase Young on here or am I just being making a circus of this? And then I realized that everybody else was doing it, so I was doing it. So maybe that is what it would take to actually make this happen amongst all the voters. Yeah. But I think you have to get to a point where people have to accept this as a real possibility, and I think we might be getting to that point. And Doug Le- Le- Maurice made a good point in the press box after the game, saying the way that this happens is that the more people talking about it, the more legitimate it gets. And like you wrote about a little bit in your post-game story mm-hmm. about Chase Young. Um, Doug wrote about it. Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports. I mean, you have legitimate journalists. Bruce Feldman. Bruce Feldman. He has chase number one. So you have legitimate journalists, for who are at the game. This isn't SB Nation stuff. No offense to SB Nation or people sitting at home on their couches watching it and saying. Because to be honest, defensive players should win the Heisman is a thing that happens every year because it's a lazy story that anybody could write. The Bosa brothers got asked the questions all the time. Do you think you should be in the Heisman discussion? And then they'll say, oh, "I don't know." And then somebody can write a four hundred word post about it. Mm-hmm. It's an easy thing to do, but actual legitimacy is the thing. And I think a Chase Young is the best player in the in college football right now. So he's got that down. He's got the numbers down because thirteen and a half sacks through eight games is ridiculous. It's just about legitimizing it. And do you think it's legitimate nationally? Mm-hmm. Do you think like there's a chance that? once the voters start voting and they start breaking down the real life non-straw poll type real votes that he could go to New York.
2: I think right now it is legitimate. There was a, there was a major groundswell of support for Chase Young after that game. Like people talk about Heisman moments and, and there's a lot of games left. There was a major amount of support for Chase Young coming out of that Wisconsin game. Uh more I feel like more buzz Heisman wise maybe than than I've seen this year for any one particular player and and granted we cover Ohio State so we would be more aware of that than we would otherwise, but the other people that have been in the conversation, Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow have, and Justin Fields to a certain extent, um, have, have all had good games. Their statistics are awesome. People have certainly talked about them. But this felt like the biggest um, or most most obvious scenario, I guess, of everyone around the country watching this one guy have an unbelievable game and then everyone talking about it and putting, this in, putting him in this conversation afterward. So I do think it's legitimate. He has to carry it forward. I'm not saying he has to have four sacks every game, but he has to be – that noticeable I think for the majority of Ohio State's remaining games and that puts them in a tough spot because they play Maryland and Rutgers before they start playing good games again and if I'm Ryan Day I wouldn't even play Chase Young in those games and he'll play but he won't play a lot because those games should be blowouts and needing to rest him and keep him healthy for the stretch run at the end of the season so that'll be against them too but but I do I do think it's, it's real I think at this point he's in a really good position to get invited to New York um, I think it would help him, he's averaging just under two sacks a game but The season record, FBS record for sacks in a season is 24. He's 9.5 off of that right now with probably, before the Heisman vote, what, five games left to to get there. Um, I don't think he'd get there in five games because that would be a ridiculous run. But if he's pushing toward that and then it looks like he might be in a position to break it before the season ends and after the Heisman would be awarded, I think that would help him. That was Terrell Sugg's record back in 2002. Um, I, I think that is out there for Chase, and and I think that's a record that people maybe didn't think would be touchable. And I actually, when I was looking that up, I found it on an article from Bleacher Report that was an article of the college football records that would never be broken. It's really hard to break, but I think Chase Young right now is positioned as well as anyone has been in the last you know, 20 years since that record was set to, to really challenge for it, and that would help him. But – I still think it's hard. I still think it's really hard for a non-quarterback to win the award. But I also don't know if all the quarterbacks this year have been setting the world on fire in the way that, that makes one of them the obvious choice for Heisman Trophy winners. So. When I was doing
1: the straw poll yesterday, I had a hard time. Who'd you put one? Burrow. I put Chase Young one. But I put Burrow one because I didn't want to look like an asshole. And that's the problem. And like I'm just giving you my thought process.
2: I, don't, it, it, I, guess, I, I guess my general point would be I, is that I don't think you would. I think I think we're at that point that you would not if you put chase young won. like I
1: think Chase young has been better at football this year than Joe Burrow
2: mm-hmm. Joe Burrow. but again than. I just
1: don't want to be the the Ohio State beat writer that puts somebody f- you know I, I think I, there needs to be some thought into it and as long as and I think this is there's a there's a few things that can hurt Drummond chase Jeff, one. It's people who are split who want to vote for him who don't because they don't want to be the outlaw in the poll tracker world where people make fun of votes. They don't track Heisman votes, but I do think that when you put something in, you don't want to look like an idiot. And even if you feel a certain way, people don't do it because it's more easy, It's easier to conform to the groupthink mentality than it is to actually think for yourself. And I think that's a huge problem in the Heisman voting in general. Like, there have been time, I don't think Tua is having a, before he got injured, was having such a great year that it's just a second thought that he's in it, but everybody voted for him because everybody was voting for him. Two, if you go back and you look at the athletic straw poll right now, in the top six of the the votes, the it was Joe Burrow, one, Chase Young, two, Jalen Hurts, three, two, a four, Justin Fields, five, JK, six. There's three Ohio State players in the top six of the straw poll, and I don't know if having two other players who are at least in the discussion on your same team is going to have a negative impact on it.
2: I think it could. I also think that that is reflective of flawed thinking when it comes to the Heisman because no offense to Justin Fields, he's been great. I don't think he belongs in the conversation.
1: Yeah, but Ohio State quarterback on team that's 124. Correct. And that's the and that's the whole thing. Yeah. And JK Dobbins, cuz your original story bill after the game was going to be how Ohio State has two legitimate Heisman trophy discussion or candidates on both sides of the ball, and neither of them are named Justin Fields. Correct. And like J.K. J. Dobbins in this poll got two third place votes and is barely in it. But I think J.K. Dobbins is having a better year. I don't know. Is J.K. Dobbins having a better year at running back than Justin Fields as a quarterback?
2: I don't. I don't even and it's know. It's how trivial. You I don't that. know.
1: Yeah. I mean, who do you think is having a better season? J.K. is, like, second in the
2: country in yards from scrimmage and, like, never plays in the second half. So probably J.K. Justin Fields has a ton of touchdowns. He's second in the country in total touchdowns, which is not something you should gloss over. But in terms of total offense, production, yards, um, he's, like, he's 46th in the country in total offense. He's not slinging it all over the field because the offense is balanced. But he's also not running like a crazy person because he hasn't really had to yet. And so he's being – hamstrung a little bit just by the situations that Ohio state is finding itself in. And so are JK Dobbins and chase young to a certain extent, but I would say total body of work. JK Dobbins is having a better season.
1: I think I could agree with that. Um, and it's close. I think the reason why Justin Fields has been so remarkable to me is because he's a lot better than I thought he was going to be. That doesn't mean that he's having, you know, that's a factor. And I, but it doesn't mean that they're better than the legitimate or the, uh, the veterans on this team that have, you know, everybody knew they were going to have to count on. Um, but Chase Young might not get that Terrell Sugg sack record. But, like, if he ends the Penn State game the way he did, was that last year? Last year, yeah. Like, that's a Heisman moment, too. For sure. You know, like, I don't know if it is only, like, if he does something like Nick Bosa. <laughs> I thought it was so funny, by the way, just a small segue, that everybody was talking, and myself included, like... Chase Young is better than the Bosa brothers. And then, like, yeah. Nick Bosa has the craziest <laughs> defensive end game in the history of the football. He had three, three sacks. <laughs> and then he, like, jumped in, uh, over yeah, yeah, that interception, step. and he, like, yeah. juked people on the return. I was like, okay. He goes, yeah, you think Chase Young is better? Get a load of this, guys. Wasn't it
2: uh, – did Curtis Samuel tackle him on the interception return? I don't know. It stopped him from scoring a touchdown? I think it might have been. It might – I don't know. Yeah, um, he looked good running the ball. I thought he was going to score. So did I. I mean,
1: he has, he has some moves. And he goes – he had some moves in his Larry Johnson toolbox.
2: Yeah, Joey Bosa had a good game, too. It was like uh, all, yeah. Twitter all day Saturday was, oh, my God, I can't believe how good Chase Young is. And then Twitter all day Sunday was like, look at Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa terrorizing
1: the NFL. And, you know, I have to check myself because I, I, I know that recency bias is a real thing. Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa were unblockable. But I still think that Chase, the way Chase Young changed the game on Saturday. Let me ask you this. If you had the most dominant player in college football and the most dominant player and you had a choice between that most dominant player playing quarterback or him playing defensive end which would you take
2: ooh I think I'd still probably pick quarterback because there's just more like and uh, there's more opportunities for the quarterback to make plays unless you assume the defensive end is going to get a sack on literally every play which isn't going to happen you can I think you chase, chase young negate.
1: changes it, it can ruin an entire day for an offense
2: yeah but Justin fields just to use him as an example, can also ruin days for a defense when a defense drops eight into coverage and somehow miraculously gets pressure yeah, no, right. and then he runs around and throws a ball over your head. I'm just saying you shot. can
1: make a chase for, I mean uh, you can make a case chase and case kind of rhyme a little bit. Um
2: it sounds like you're building the for, early early stages of a Heisman campaign.
1: No, I just think it's crazy. Wisconsin had no chance yesterday because Chase Young ruined their day. Yeah. Like I mean they you know that thumbnail that you tweeted?
2: I think I do I think in general yeah. it is uh, probably a little easier to scheme against a good defensive end than it is a great quarterback. Probably because you can block a tight end or defensive end with three people. Just inferior. not a tight end. Just don't use a tight end on fourth and long. What the hell you're doing, Paul Christ? They had a running back under the chip. The running back had no chance. I don't like that's a that's a white flag moment right there. But I was, like the he was, was changing,
1: anyway. he was changing plays that he didn't record sat, stats. Well, that's, on, that's that's the
2: thing about him too, and that's what and it's easy to overlook it. It's like he has 13 and a half sacks, and that's awesome. But there are also plays. There was a play, um, I think, in the third quarter where. Wisconsin was Wisconsin had decided it was going to be four down territory. So on third and three, they ran the ball, and Chase Young didn't really do anything other than knock his guy back and set the edge and turn the run back in. And Malik Harrison made a stop for no gain, and then they got off the field on fourth down. Like that kind of stuff gets overlooked, but that's I mean, it's just as important. And if you ask Ryan Day, in fact, Ryan Day did mention it after the game that the things that Chase Young does that don't show up on stats stat sheets are also vastly improved. I think this year
1: you wrote about Chase Young after the game. Did you look up how many turnovers he's forced all year? Because it seems like he's he has
2: five force fumbles. Um, he, I remember he forced an interception earlier yeah. in the year. I didn't go back. Because
1: like he's man. like turning them. It's not just sacks. He's like causing a lot of turnovers at a very high frequency as well.
2: Yeah, it's like, five five forced fumbles is second in the country.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's going to happen eventually, and I think that this might be a un- unique year. I just got an email: Chase Young changing Heisman voting from somebody I've never heard of, a senior account executive at Branded PR. Um, Ohio State's showing up that money. Yeah. I don't know if this the saying. Heisman campaign thing is actually going to happen. I don't think I, Ohio State's ever actually done a Heisman campaign. I, I can't remember them ever doing it. It's um, hard.
2: I told uh, I told the Ohio State sports information director, Jerry Emig, that um, he'll be able to retire on, on his feet of getting three Ohio State players to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony.
1: Brought to you by DraftKings. Brought to you by DraftKings. Um, but this is the type of year where I think it could happen because I don't think there's an overwhelming – you know, Tua is out now for a while, so I think his entire candidacy is over with.
2: There, there seems to be at least some buzz to the idea that Tua might not play against LSU. I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't play against LSU, but I guess it's possible.
1: Yeah, what if Tua doesn't play against LSU and then Alabama beats LSU? Then you can knock out two candidates there, and then if that happens,
2: yeah. That'd be pretty crazy. Then who's
1: even left? Like, Jalen Hurts just lost to Kansas State. Yeah. And, like, if you're a quarterback. He played well in that game, but he lost. But you get judged by that stuff, man. No, i know. You know, it's the best player on the best team. So, um, I just think that there is a path there based on the other fields. Yeah. Literally. Not not the quarterback. But the other player that I think is really good, too, although he cost us a 10-star play two weeks, is Chuba Chuba Hub. I mean, he's unbelievable. He's
2: really good. Yeah. Yeah. He's like I don't know Everyone came out of that game Talking about who's the best Running back in the country Is it J.K. Dobbins Is it not Jonathan Taylor And I still I think I would pick J.K. Over Chuba Hubbard But like people always forget About guys like that Like Chuba Hubbard's crazy I like J.K. more But he's really good um,
1: There's another defensive tackle On this list that got a vote Who's that? Derek Brown from Auburn Third place Nice
2: yeah, he's been on the role poll list, I think, for a week or two now. There's always kind of a straggler defensive player, like at the end of a list, like Jonathan Allen, I think, was there a couple years ago, and uh, somebody was there last year too. I forget who it was.
1: But what defensive player would you even say is be is like? I don't know if this makes any difference. Is your heat on? Yeah, my girlfriend. What, what the are heat you on. a nutbag? It's not my decision, it's 65 man. 65 degrees outside, and the heat's on. How are we going to do a podcast here with the heat on? It's not my decision, man. Take it up with my lady. What's I will. Good luck with that one. My girlfriend was in my apartment and she started messing with the heat on Friday night, and I was like, you, "You'll leave if that's yeah. it. we're not we're not messing with the heat in here." Slight
2: difference between that scenario. And my scenario is that we own the house together, and you guys don't. Moving on.
1: What was I even saying? I'm really throwing Less off right now.
2: Player to do something. I don't know. I don't know. Oh no! I,
1: I think that what I was saying is is that um, there's image right. There's like a there's a thing about image when it comes to the Heisman. And I don't know if we're going too long on this, but Chase Young has an image. Yeah, Like, the whole Predator thing is funny. He's the braids. Like, he's a very personable guy. He is. He's, like, a very nice person and a very easy person to talk to. And I think that you could campaign around that guy very easily with all those graphics we see with the Predator. I've never even seen the movie Predator, but, like, the braids are identical. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, he's... I think that, like, branding is a huge thing with this, too. It's like you got to be a personable guy. And, like, if he starts talking and saying funny things and interviews and stuff, I think he could really – because that's the one mistake I think a lot of Ohio State players have done. Even, like, Ezekiel Elliott, when he was, like – he was the most legitimate, I think, on your time on the beat, Ohio State player that actually could have won it, He was the
2: closest, like, mathematically to winning, even though he actually finished, like, eighth, I think, the year. But, like, every
1: time we asked him about it, and that was not the easy story for a guy who's never going to win it. Story that was like legitimate. What do you think? Yeah, I think I, I recall this that he would always say, "I'm more focused on the team and all that stuff." And that's nice, but like if I were Ezekiel Elliott and I was dominating college football, I'd be like, "Hell yeah, I should be a Heisman." Yeah, I'm the best running back in the like. And I think if you say those things, the more headlines come up, and then you have a chance to back it up on the field, and then people start voting for you. Because the thing is, is you know, and I'm reading back to. My text message with Fortuna, he said, Craig Sater had a freaking vote, no. So that's how my mistake happened. Um, but you need to appeal to those types of people, like the people who don't cover college football every single day as the example, right? And how do you do that? You open your mouth, you get more national coverage, and then you back it up on the field. And I think Chase Young is in a situation where he can do all those things and appeal to people that don't cover the sport.
2: Yeah, well, I think you'll see Ohio State get Chase Young out in front of people more and maybe try to talk about it a little bit his family is very much behind it I talked to his dad after the game, other people talk to his dad after the game, and, and Greg Young, Chase's dad, to not shy away from the fact that he thinks his son should be in that conversation. Of course he thinks that, but I think it helps to get that out there from anybody. Uh, Chase is on Twitter retweeting anything with the words Chase Young and Heisman in it. Um, so so I think that you're starting to see a little bit of that, and that can help too. And the other thing, and we can move on after this point, that I just think it's worth mentioning, and this is, uh, again, stealing uh, an idea from my buddy Doug Maurice, but, but I, I always like the way that he sort of couched the Heisman Trophy, or at least what he thinks it should be. And he always said it should be about the player who tells the story of the college football season. Can you tell we used to work with
1: that guy? Yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah, we did. Um, I always like that, And, and I think it makes sense if you view Chase Young through that lens that he has a very compelling argument because Ohio State, everyone thinks Ohio State's the best team in the country. Everyone thinks Ohio State's untouchable. Ohio State's offense right now is just sort of what it's been. Like it looks different from last year, but like everything they're doing offensively is not surprising from what we this what we've come to learn about Ohio State over the last seven years. This defense, the turnaround it's had from one of the worst in the country, from the worst in school history to probably being the best in the country right now is kind of remarkable. And the guy leading that is Chase Young. And if Ohio State is still sitting on top of college football by the time people have to cast their Heisman votes, and it's because the defense has been so good and and such a turnaround from last year, I think that will help Chase Young.
1: Yeah, and going into a game against – I mean, I know the voting happens before the playoff, but if Ohio State's going into a game against Clemson – or Alabama, you want that guy on your side. Right. Like that's the kind of guy that like can help you win the game. And I think I made that point on Twitter the other day, during the game, of like this guy is the most dominant player I think I've ever covered at Ohio State, and like he's the type of guy that can lead you to a national championship. And I think people need to understand that about him. So I think the next question, and you're the host, so I'll let you take it. But like, it's how much, how much should this guy be playing in the next three weeks? By week, then I mean, I know our friends over at Buckeye Talk were having a debate about whether. He should even go to go to Rutgers. I'm not going to Rutgers. Yeah. So um, if I'm not he going. Be on
2: the, he should be on. The, yeah. He should be exactly. He should be on your plan.
1: Yeah. The California plan. The
2: California plan. Okay. Here's an image for you guys. And this was me two weeks ago on Sunday watching NFL football on my couch. Picture you're sitting in your sweatpants for the day. You don't feel like getting changed. You're sick of microwave leftovers and frozen pizza. Maybe you don't feel like cooking for yourself at all. And DoorDash is here to help you. It's restaurant quality food with a living room dress code. With door to door delivery in all 50 states in Canada, order from your local go tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick fil A, the Cheesecake Factory, others. I ordered my wings from Wingstop. It was great. It took 30 seconds for me to go answer the door. I didn't miss any of the games. Had to barely get up off my couch. It was awesome. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off of their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code AB. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code AB. Don't forget, AB, $5 off for your first order from DoorDash. I mean, he's going to play. I don't think you just shut him down completely. One, because I think like momentum matters and staying fresh matters. But what are they going to be favored? They play, they're off this week. They're home against Maryland. They're going to be favored by what? 40, 40 38, 30, 40, 40-ish. 38 to 42, probably. They play Ruckers on the road the week after that and be favored by 50. 50
1: and a half I was the early line I saw for that one.
2: Like he'll play in both games, and I think I don't know, I might have mentioned this to you. I mentioned it to somebody on Saturday. If Chase Young plays one quarter in each of those games, I think he I think the net off those two games is probably still four sacks. I think Maryland might start a freshman offensive tackle on that. Yeah, if you're
1: the Vegas Lines odds maker and you get a quarter of the Rutgers game, you've the you set the over or under at two and a half sacks for a quarter.
2: I would take the over. I especially against Rutgers. But I still I might also might take it against Maryland. Unless Maryland literally blocks him with four people,
1: so like you would set the total line for two quarters of Maryland Rutgers football for total sacks at four and a half. Yeah, I think and take get the get over.
2: There. I think he could get there, but those teams suck. It, <laughs> I know, but like two first. Wisconsin downs Wisconsin has one of the better offensive lines in the country, and they had no shot to block that guy. And so, like suddenly Maryland and Rutgers are going to figure it out. Like I, I know it's crazy. to They say should that, just but. like
1: let him play the entire game, so he gets the thirty sacks this year. He could break Terrell Slugs record in one
2: game against Rutgers. But he shouldn't play that much. I think. I think all those guys.
1: You play. I don't think any starter should play into the second half of either game. If it's, I agree.
2: It's, I don't. I don't think they should play. It depends on what it is. Like if it's a situation where like Florida Atlantic, they're up twenty eight nothing. If that happens in either of these next two games, I'm probably sitting Justin Fields for sure. I think I'd sit J.K. Dobbins and I'd sit Chase Young. And then you know after that, and I think you could make the, the case
1: field. to play them a little bit longer in the Rutgers game. Because of what's because next. it's what's of what's next and where it is, it's on the road. I mean, I know that doesn't really matter because they're playing a middle school team, but you know, let them play into the early third quarter, feel good about themselves, you know, put up forty-five points or whatever, and then let them sit and, and recharge for the Penn State game. But I don't like the plan of one quarter each week. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I would not. I don't know play. if it really matters, but like, it's just.
0: You I can't, you I can't think, lose I the
1: Penn can. State game, so you got to do what you have to do in the in the next two games over overmatched opponents to put yourself, your team, in the best position to to be well mentally and physically going into that Penn State game. And if it means playing longer than the Rutgers game, I think that's something you have to do.
2: Yeah, the only thing I think you can't do, and it's not even like an optics thing because I don't really care about that, I just think you can't shut, them, shut anyone down completely, unless they're hurt. Um, and you want to the rest them, but if they're healthy and are able to play, I think you got to play them a little bit just to keep the get the blood pumping. And the one out. thing
1: I've learned covering Ohio State and college football is that whenever we think players should come out, coaches always tend to leave them in longer than mm-hmm. that. I don't think I've ever said a player should come out now or should come out by this point in the game, and a coach takes them out earlier. I always think that writers and people on the uh, spectator side of the of the sport. Always tend to be a little bit more aggressive about when players come out. So if we say first quarter, that probably means they'll play to halftime in both games.
2: Yeah, more, more than likely. They have the one guy they do seem to take out of like the the guys you would assume they take out earlier than others is J.K. Only because Master T's been pretty good. Like J.K. was the first guy out,
1: and I also think that Wisconsin. Ohio State's got to be in a position right now to be thinking about next year a little bit. There's no reason for J.K. to run the ball when they're up big. They've got a really viable option. Um, in Master T, and I think that Tony Alford has said that it's like an initiative right now to make sure that Master T gains as much experience and as many carries as possible in the event that J.K. Dobbins goes to the pros. And, like, I know we were discussing that
2: mm.
1: a month ago, and we were like, we're not sure. I don't think there's any chance that guy comes back if this continues. Yeah, I agree. I think he's gone.
2: Again, like, I would give, like, 2%... Credence to the idea if Ohio State comes up short of winning a national title, he might come back because they're gonna be loaded again next year on offensive in particular. But that would be the only reason because he's he's doing everything he needs to do on the field to be a viable NFL.
1: Um what round would you think he would be right year?
2: now? Right now
1: after that game.
2: Two or three? Maybe three. I was pretty I was pretty certain that he'd be a second round draft second day draft pick anyway before that happened so maybe i should creep that up a little bit into the second round still don't think he's a first round back because first round backs are rare um but i think he could be a second round guy yeah so this is the last uh that was the last ohio state game before the playoff rankings come out in two weeks and it's kind of a weird setup because lsu and alabama also don't play next week penn state doesn't play next week and clemson plays wofford insert your clemson crappy schedule next week this saturday this coming saturday this coming Saturday, Ohio State's off, Penn State's off, Alabama's off, and LSU is off, and Clemson plays Wofford.
1: What are we doing on Saturday?
2: I don't know. i might go apple picking. Um, Can I come? No. Okay. <laughs> so nothing about the sort of the landscape of who is going to be in the conversation for the top four spots in the first playoff rankings is going to change unless Clemson loses to Wofford, which isn't going to happen. Where do you think Ohio State's going to be ranked when this first playoff rankings come out? Two. I know it doesn't matter all that much because, obviously, you just
1: want to be in the top four. You think they are going to be two? I think that the committee is uh, resume based, and LSU just has a better resume right now. I think Ohio State's going to be one.
2: I'm actually fairly confident Ohio State's going to be one. Really? Their strength of schedule, and there are a million strength of schedule metrics, and we have no idea which one the the committee uses. Their strength of schedule is better than LSU's. Ohio State's is six. I'm I'm going by Sagarin. Ohio State's is 16th. LSU's is 27th. Alabama's is 61st, and Clemson's not even worth mentioning um Ohio State has dominated everybody on its schedule more than more than any other team in the country. It's balanced. It's the only team in the top ten of both offense and sure. defense. It's number one or two or three or four in like every important category you would want to mention on both sides of the ball. And I think the committee favors balance. I understand the theory out there that ESPN would like Alabama LSU to be number one versus number two, even though the game's not on ESPN. It's on CBS. Um, I don't really which
1: completely I don't (laughs) it's why I
2: don't put any credence into it it's like oh ESPN wants the number one versus number two like cool that's not games I don't ESPN Um,
1: (laughs) you're doing that thing (laughs) I think
2: Ohio State is going to be number one and I like like comfort not comfortably so but but I'm I'm fairly certain that they're going to be number one
1: here's the thing and again this is just fun talk because none of it matters fun coupons but whoever wins the LSU-Alabama game the next week is going to take over the number one spot. Correct. So, like, I don't know what will happen in the committee room or if they're preemptively trying to change the switch. But, like, I also think that LSU's win against Texas looks worse than it did. Um, yeah. I mean, like, if you look at LSU's three wins, they're all against teams that were in the top ten. Um, LSU's if you stack up LSU's wins to Ohio State's
2: wins, LSU's are better. If you stack up LSU's cumulative schedule against Ohio State's, Ohio State's is better because mm-hmm. LSU has beat Florida and Auburn and Texas. It's also played like Northwestern State and a terrible Georgia Vanderbilt Su- team in Georgia Southern. Yeah. And Ohio State, every team on Ohio State's schedule has a has a five hundred or better record except for Northwestern, which like I under like that might sound like me trying to pump up Ohio State's schedule when it when it shouldn't matter, but I think that's but real.
1: that's all part of the the, the ratings of the schedule you have to explain that to people like how it could be that way
2: right and we've heard the committee before when they come out and say these rankings well so and so team has this many wins against winning teams like they change the dynamic every year which i get a super which is why
1: it's impossible to it's just what are they going to feel like this week but i
2: feel like everything every everything they've given us as like the reason for why their rankings are what they are ohio state right now checks that box whether it's wins against winning teams overall strength of schedule balance Gain control. Like Ohio State has all those things checked, and I think has them checked in a better way than anyone else in the conversation. Which is why I would I would think they'll be number one in the first rankings. But like you said, they'll fall behind whoever wins the LSU Alabama game. But I also think it's important to to get a gauge at least early on of what the committee thinks of Ohio State. Yeah. In a world where everyone, I think everyone in Columbus is going nuts because they're killing everybody. I think nationally, mostly. People look at this Ohio State team and think it might be the best team in the country, but I still think there is a little bit of skepticism based on the idea of of who have they played and who were the ranked
1: wins against You see Ohio State, number one, you see a committee that respects the team. Right, I think that matters. Yeah.
2: Which segues nicely into uh, moving forward, looking at the schedule. Ohio State, like we said, plays Maryland and Rutgers before it closes with Penn State and Michigan. Penn State just won on the road at Michigan State, 28-7. Michigan just destroyed Notre Dame in a really sloppy, rainy game, 45-14. Ran for 303 yards against what many assume was a decent, at least, Notre Dame defense. Coming off of Ohio State's win, are do you feel – how do you view, I guess, those last two games of the season? And we, we sort of talk about this every week and reset our feelings looking at those two games. I, either of those two jump out of you now as, as more difficult than the other. Have your view on either of those two games changed based on how Ohio State has been playing and how those two teams in particular played the last two games?
1: My weeks? view on the Michigan game has changed. Yeah. Because Michigan showed a pulse. I mean, I thought Michigan was terrible, and they beat the crap out of Notre Dame on Saturday night. I know the rain probably helped. They Uh, pushed them around, though. But physically, they they beat them up at home. And, you know, if Michigan would have just lost that game, it just would have been like this season's a a dumpster fire. And, like, I know they have two losses, um, but that is a game coming off of the Penn State game. Like, I think Penn State's a better football team than Michigan. But I think the cumulative effect of playing that Michigan game when they're playing it under the circumstances they're playing it in makes it a harder game to win, especially considering the fact that it's on the road. Having to beat Penn State and turn around and go on the road for a rivalry game against a team that might be feeling itself because they still play Michigan State. They're probably going to beat Michigan State. Like Michigan could be feeling really good about themselves at that point. Um, I think that makes it the tougher game right now. I, I really do. I... I I think Penn State's going to be a really hard team to beat. And I think – I mean, I also think there's a chance that Ohio State could blow Penn State out. I think the spread of that game is going to be more than two scores. Um,
2: Yeah, I think it would be two, like 17.
1: But I just think – the thing that we talked about all year, Bill, is the cumulative effect of it, right? Mm -hmm. And if Michigan has a pulse – and actually might be able to draw up a game plan that can, you know, exploit some things, get them at home. Harbaugh's desperate to win that game, so people will get off that program's back. Um, Ohio State's going to come in feeling good. They're going to be, you know, hopefully uh, for their sake they'll be focused, but I don't know. I just think physically coming in after Penn State, going on the road after Thanksgiving and having to beat that team that's feeling good about itself might be a more difficult task than beating Penn State during the day at home.
2: I think I'm starting to change my view on that as well. The thing about both Penn State – because I've, I've said all along that I that thought Penn State was its toughest game, and I even before the year picked Ohio State to lose that game, which I obviously wouldn't do now. But, surprise, I was wrong. Um, neither one of these teams are particularly good on offense, and it's kind of a, a little more surprising maybe for Penn State because Penn State recruits a little better and I think has, at least on paper anyway, some better highly rated skill than, than Michigan does. Um, both are really good top 10 defenses, and both are sort of average offenses. And I, I suppose Michigan could be starting to round into form, and maybe it's unfair to criticize their passing game because of how crappy the weather was against Notre Dame. But I still think, and, and I thought you saw that from Wisconsin this week, you can't just line up and try to run the ball at Ohio State and hope you win. Um, I think the defense is too good. I think the defense is built to stop that, and you have to be able to throw the ball to beat them. While also trying to find a way to stop Chase Young. You can't be beat, beat at Okuda. any team that is
1: as talented as Ohio State one dimensional. I don't care what dimension it is. Yeah. Right.
2: And I look at both of these offenses right now, and I don't even know if they're one dimensional. I just think they're both kind of flawed offensively. Like neither not neither one of them are ranked in, in the uh top thirty in like either rushing or passing offenses. Um, and I think like there's not there's nothing really elite about it either of these teams on, on that side of the ball. Now their defenses are good, and Penn State has a lot of speed on defense, and I'm, I'd be curious about what that means for Ohio State. Um, but I also think that Ohio State might be able to line up and run the ball on Penn State the way they did on Wisconsin. So and and maybe you can't do that against Michigan. It looked look pretty stout against Notre Dame uh, on Saturday night. So I, I'm I'm starting to change my mind a little bit that. Michigan might be the tougher test not really because I think Michigan is better because I know Penn State just beat Michigan but because of like you said the cumulative effect of having to play that that game on the second leg of a back-to-back with Penn State being the lead in Um, the emotions of that game obviously always factor into it it's on the road we still don't know what Ryan Day is going to be in the Michigan game Um, I would feel fairly confident that he'd be okay and be able to handle the moment but it's different he's never experienced
1: it before and this stuff is so reactionary Bill what do you mean our feelings change on it every week because we're getting more information every week. So, yeah. like, I, and that's the way it should be. But I, I it just like Michigan beating Notre Dame the way they did it. It's like, I now have forgotten that Michigan has lost to Penn state, you and know, Michigan and lost just, to Wisconsin and it was Michigan. You know? Yeah. So it's just like, I don't know what, what, what information is more valuable. The, the information you get later in the season or the, all the information cumulatively, or like, you know, I don't know if being reactionary is bad, but...
2: Real, we can only analyze the information that is in front of us. So it's like, I don't, I don't really view it as reactionary. It's just like, this is what... Trying to make Ohio State's remaining schedule interesting, and like, we're not trying to falsely create a sense of urgency because if we think Ohio State's going to roll both those teams, then I think we would say it, and maybe that's the better question. Ohio State has killed everyone on its schedule to this point. Its margin of victory is the best in the country. It's ridiculous. It's like, 31 points or something like that. Do you view that to be the case moving forward with these two games looming at the end of the year? Is Ohio State going to leave no doubt and blow Penn State and Michigan and whoever they play in the Big Ten Championship off the field and roll into the college football playoff
1: having beat everyone schedule by 30? I want to look up the 2006 Ohio State season real quick. Um, because to me, I can't remember any Ohio State, at least in my lifetime, and I'm 32 years old, season where a team went coast to coast from beginning to end at the regular season and just beat the crap out of everybody. So I'm looking now and there was one weird game in, uh, at the 2006, um, season. So none of these games were close in 2006, none of them. And then they had a weird game against Illinois on November 4th and they beat Illinois by 10. And then, of course, the Michigan game was a three-point win. I don't know if there's been a season in Ohio State history, and I guess maybe somebody will tweet at me and say the 1939 team won by a margin of 68 points again. I don't know. In the modern history of at least my 32 years on this planet, Ohio State has not gone coast-to-coast coast by beating everybody by 25 or more points. So the gut feeling I have is that Ohio State is immeasurably better than both of those teams and will beat the crap out of both of them. The realist in me is saying – where is this tough game going to come from? Because now there's no chance that it's going to come against Maryland or Rutgers. They just can't play football.
2: And I think there's enough evidence to suggest that Ohio State won't lay an egg in either of those games. To, I'm not even saying lose, like just to make it close.
1: What would so, have to happen for Ohio State to be uh, play a close game with either of those teams? It's like impossible. I can't
2: I can't even come up with a scenario where it would be close. Quarterback injury would be the only one, but even then I still think they could run, They'd it, run it down their throat.
1: throat. I, I honestly don't know that there was a chance that the, the, either of those two games will be close. So that leaves us two options and those two toughest games on the regular season schedule for one of them to be close. And I feel like every time Ohio State blows out a team, the Penn State game gets closer. (laughs) I don't know if that's just like rational or just like in my head. This has to happen eventually. No team just doesn't get challenged on for an entire year. But on paper, Ohio State is much, much better than both of those football teams. Right? Yes, I think so. I think that they might have games in one or two of them just because of the law of averages of teenagers going out on a football field and not being able to just beat the crap out of the team they're playing. Yeah, I don't know which one it is. But right now, I'm willing to say that I think they're going to go 13 and oh, I think they're going to be undefeated Big Ten champions at the end of the year. But that doesn't mean that they're going to beat everybody with ease. I just don't know where it's going to happen. I think they
2: might beat everybody with these. I think I think I think they're going to win both of those games by at least two scores, which in my mind is a is a comfortable one. So if somebody sets the ve- touchdowns. we love
1: doing setting fake Vegas lines here, I'm going to set the Vegas line here for those two games to you. Okay. Okay. The Vegas line for total margin of victory in both the Penn State and Michigan games total for both mm-hmm. is 27.5. over under Ohio State wins over.
2: I don't like it's not an um possibly prisoner of the moment just like all of us are right now with the way Ohio State's playing. I don't think like and I hate the transitive property, but I do think you can use it sometimes when you're when you're talking about I don't teams in the same conference, like Wisconsin destroyed Michigan. And Ohio State just like kicked the shit out of Wisconsin.
1: I also use the transitive property for Wisconsin losing to Illinois. Did you? I did in my head. Yeah. Yeah. I say they, they lined up it. against Illinois and they lost. I don't think you can yeah. like
2: use it like all the time and it gets used way too much, but I also don't think
1: you can totally ignore it. You can't use it in the sense of team A beat team B and team B beat team C. So team A is going to beat team C. I don't think that's the way it works, but I think you can identify a weak team or weaknesses on a team by looking at what they did or who they struggled against. Yeah, and like with like, even if you go back and you look at Ohio State's last two seasons of Purdue and Iowa, you know those two games, Ohio State got out schemed by Iowa because they couldn't adjust to what they were doing with their tight ends, and Purdue played the best game in the history of mankind with an offense that was designed around Rondale Moore, and Ohio State had no answer for that too, and could not run the ball or score in the red zone. Those were different types of losses than Wisconsin's loss to Illinois, but I still think that you could say that Ohio State was flawed systematically in certain areas because of those two losses. Lining up and losing to Illinois, which is a way worse version of Purdue and Iowa the last two years, is a, I don't care how it happened, it happened. And then people thought that Wisconsin was going to rebound and beat Ohio State or be in the situation to play with them. Or cover. Yeah. Or cover, come on. they law- They lined up. The physical, big boy, Jonathan Taylor-led offense lost to Illinois. That matters. And that team beat the crap out of Michigan. I just don't think that Michigan can match up athletically. That's the thing. you got Penn State on the left, and Penn State is the team that has the most talent in the Big Ten to match up athletically. Mm -hmm. And then you have Michigan on the right, which has all the rivalry and history and emotion and home field advantage and jim harbaugh eating the win and all the like extra stuff so to me if i think a team is going guess which one i'm going to think is closer the but you
2: said, but didn't you say you, you said the michigan game if you had to pick one of the two didn't you say the michigan game would be the one you pick to be yeah i know sweatier
1: but the reason why i said that is because i can't identify it does that make I, I i don't know i think ohio state i want to say that ohio state's going to beat the crap out of both of them like you do but like my irrational side to just the history of the way things go makes me think that Michigan might give them a game. Yeah. But if you took the names off the helmets and you took everything, um the in the and part of it too is again, let's not forget where it lands on the schedule. That that was also a part of it. But I think Penn State is a more equipped football team to beat Ohio State than Michigan is. I just think that Michigan is in a situation where it can capitalize on other things outside of how good they are physically to win that game.
2: Yeah. I guess my, what it comes down to for me is that I don't know if there's a defense in the country that can totally shut down Ohio State's offense. I just think there's too many answers with Fields' legs and Dobbins and that offensive line and the skill they have at receiver. They'll figure something out to put a couple touchdowns on the board, and I don't view Penn State or Michigan's offense as capable of scoring more than two or three touchdowns in Ohio State's defense. I just don't think they're good enough. Michigan in particular. Now, maybe they're getting better, and I'll change my tune on that in three weeks, but Right now, that's a bad offense. I don't care if they just ran for 300 yards against Notre Dame. They don't really have good quarterback play. Shea Patterson just looks lost. He threw a ball with his left hand backwards. At least it wasn't a granny pick, a granny. It went out of bounds. Baker Mayfield granny interception. That's true. Um, and Penn State's yeah. got a young quarterback and, and is also just not very good offensively. I think there's potential there for both of them to be good, but they haven't been good on offense yet. So until I see that, I just I don't put a lot of confidence in either one of them to score the amount of points they need to score to beat Ohio State.
1: Unless Hamler on Penn State gets behind somebody. you know that They have big playability, right? Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah, KJ Hamler is, is, is the best slot receiver, at least in, in the Big Ten, and maybe he might be the best receiver, and, and him versus Sean Wade is going to be a great matchup to watch. Quarterbacks also got to get him the ball. And I don't know if Sean Clifford's that dude or not. Maybe we'll, guess we'll we'll see as he continues to go throughout this first season starting. But as it stands right now, I think both of those teams, Michigan and Penn State, have decent defenses that might give Ohio State something to sort of work their way through, like we've seen against Northwestern and Wisconsin that also have decent defenses. But then guess what happened? They just destroyed them in the second half of those games or the second quarter of those games, and the offenses couldn't do anything against Ohio State's defense. I'm not saying you're going to beat both those teams 50-3 to or even 38-7 to like it was this week. Um, but I just don't know if either one of those teams is built to keep it even within two scores of Ohio State
1: with the way they're playing. And you can right beat now. the crap out of a team and win twenty-seven to ten. Yeah, it doesn't have to look fifty-two to three,
2: right? Especially when you're playing teams that have at least that kind of talent on paper. But we're looking for something. I don't know. We're looking for something that that's that's a red flag or, or something that that suggests that that things might get a little more interesting as Ohio State goes down the stretch and gets into those two last games. But uh, frankly, I just I just haven't seen it yet. I don't see it. So, I, I and, you're,
1: and if we don't see it, I mean, I'm the uh, resident shit stir on the Ohio State yeah. beat, aren't I? I? I don't have anything to stir right now. And like I was writing my stuff, and I'm like, God, I am a positive guy <laughs> writing my stories this weekend. I am just, I'm just living in a world of positivity. You want to know why we're so positive? Because there's nothing to be negative about. Wisconsin had five sacks. for Munford th- look a little off, huh?
2: Yeah, but he was good at the end of the game. And two of the sacks that Wisconsin had came on botched snaps. But it's even it's the other, even if you have struggles in pass protection, like Justin Fields can make it right even when you're wrong. Should we close time. this
1: podcast out by saying what the top 5 things that we're worried about the most are? I can't get the 5. I can get I can get to 5, I think.
2: Okay, try to get the 5. Okay. And I'm going to try I'm going to refute you on each one. Each okay. one. <laughs> and
1: make sure you do it in that condescending tone that makes me sound like an idiot. Okay, one quarterback depth.
2: I mean, yeah, that's Does that count? I got nothing for that. Yeah, of course.
1: That's That's number
2: that's one. That's number one. Yeah, that's not close. Yeah.
1: And Justin Fields had a little back thing going on after he scored a touchdown in the third quarter. They put chug in the game and tried to throw the ball. That was, <laughs> by the way, now that we're talking about just negative things cuz this is, you know, that was unbelievable to me. That was pretty that in that But in that juncture of the game, it's a one-score game. It's freaking raining outside. Justin Fields' helmet pops off, and they don't call the timeout. like they, they were on the edge of the red zone. I think they were at the 30-yard line. And they put Chug in the game, and then he was rolling out!
2: They called a the screen, and then there was a pass pre- uh, pressure, and then they got called for a holding Crazy copy. person
1: running around with the ball in his hands. It's a one-score. Could you imagine that? How they did not call a timeout and get Fields back in the game. At that point, they needed a, they needed a the score. I yeah. cannot believe they ran a second down play right there. That was unbelievable to me. That was the most unbelievable thing I think I've seen from the negative all year. I would have
2: just ran the ball. But I guess you could give Ryan Day some credit for doing what no one would have expected him to do in that situation. But it was exactly the way I thought it it would. was nearly disastrous. Okay, so quarterback depth. Quarterback depth. One.
1: I worry about whether or not the receivers have big playability enough to beat the best teams.
2: Yeah, and I voiced that concern, too. I think we've seen a little bit from Chris Olave the last two weeks. Um, I think they're
1: good. I just don't know if they're getting locked down by the best corners in the country, if there's going to be enough separation, because that was a major issue last year. I don't know if I should be even thinking about last year right now. Maybe not, but I'd like to see them get open against Clemson. Sure. I think there's there's a lack of star power there from top to bottom in that room you got some young stars that might be able to do something but aren't there yet, and you've got some older guys who I think aren't as good as the middle-tier guys. And there's some things to work out, but I don't know if against a legit, talented team that it's going to send defensive backs to the league next year if they can get enough separation to win a game. And again, hypothetical worry. Maybe they will. Um, I'm trying to get to five here. Cut me some slack. Bill's like smirking. Um, Three, I think their pass pro is shaky sometimes. Yes. That's true.
2: It was uh, shaky at times against Wisconsin. It's been shaky at times throughout the year. There are a lot of factors that go into that. Yeah. Um, Fields holds the ball a long time. Sometimes they have these deeper developing play action passes that, that require the quarterback to hold the ball longer sometimes. But there are also guys just losing one-on-one battles. That's going to happen from time to time. I don't really – it's it's an issue because the numbers tell you it's an issue. And it sort of goes hand in hand with the quarterback depth thing. You don't want to see Justin Fields taking a lot of hits, but it's an issue that Justin Fields can also
1: negate a little bit because of his legs. Okay. So those three count. Four, Baron Browning is not playing enough. And I think that tough Borland was like match made for what they were playing against Wisconsin. We were joking up in the press box like this is tough Borland football. But I think that Ohio State might be susceptible at linebacker against faster, more athletic teams if. Tough Borland is in a position to be covering somebody who's athletic and fast. I think Baron Browning is a dog. I think he gets into the backfield. I think he's playing like that five-star recruit that we should have, and I think he's the best linebacker in that position. I
2: agree with that, and I think if they find themselves in a position where there is a clear athletic mismatch for Tough Borland, that Baron
1: Browning will rectify it. Yes. Can you get the five? I think I can get the five, but I'm I'm going to be stretching five. Okay. Their punt returner is a madman who doesn't make plays and is going to turn the ball over. (laughs) I don't know what we're possible. (laughs) I don't know what we were doing. Demario watching that, but that it was pouring down rain. It was like he was at a freaking water park, and the guy's calling a fair catch and diving backwards to catch the ball, like that was insane. Not to mention the fact that he hasn't done anything as a returner all year. And I'm not trying to come down on him, but I think Garrett Wilson should be the punt returner on this team. And they have no special. If I had to put Demario McCall or Garrett Wilson to go catch a football in any way, I'm picking Garrett Wilson. Yeah, and if he would have fumbled the ball there, all it takes in games is one weird thing like that to happen, and like go back to last year, like McCall's like fumble before halftime of the Michigan game. Mm -hmm. Michigan scored. Michigan scored like when they he fumbled the kickoff return. And I know that everybody is just like score fumble score fumble score, and I yeah. thought Michigan was going to win because of it. Yeah, and obviously that didn't turn out that way, but <laughs> that's the type of mistake that can get a game going sideways pretty quickly. And you know, for as much as Ryan Day deserves credit, the way that we were giving it to him for being conservative and running the ball in third and long in the rain and making sure that they didn't put the, they put them, if he would have fumbled the ball and Wisconsin recovers and goes up seven nothing in the pouring down rain, the entire psyche of that game changes. I'm not saying Wisconsin would have won. I'm just saying it would have been different. Yeah. So, I, and I also think there's a lack of big plays in special teams in general. 23-yard return from Garrett Wilson is the biggest special teams play they've made all year, right? If you don't count punt blocks from Olave in the Indiana game.
2: Which I think you should, but return, yeah. return game. Return game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I thought the Wilson return was
2: pretty good, and I would, I think you'll probably see him back there moving forward, or at least more frequently. Yeah. I agree with that. That's potentially dangerous. I don't think it's dangerous against a team like Rutgers or Maryland. But, but I think that's a nitpicky five things. That's a very nitpicky five things, which yeah. I think is a good illustration. It's a good illustration. illustration. Where Ohio State is right now. Because you
1: didn't say uh, their defense sucks. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs>
2: yeah. Their defense uh, can't pursue to the ball and can't tackle and is routinely
1: out of position. <laughs> and their offensive coordinator is a mouth breather.
2: No, there's nothing like that. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't the issue of the last two years. That was like yeah. three years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap up there. Again, thank you so much for helping us grow this podcast. If you can, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. Uh, If you're not subscribed to The Athletic, you can get subscribed at theathletic.com slash 4-6. Tell your friends, tell your families, tell your enemies to sign up for The Athletic. Uh, We'll be back later in the week with our subscriber-only Q&A show. And then uh, I teased this last week. We didn't really get to it, but I promise you sometime over the next three weeks because they're playing crap opponents we will have a podcast that will be almost exclusively dedicated to recruiting because i think we need to have a good, nice robust conversation about that
1: yeah it's just kind of harder when their entire class is full
2: yeah and that was a game worth talking about but we'll get into it maybe if you have recruiting questions get them in maybe we we'll can we can talk a little bit about it uh, later in the week on the next podcast and we'll, and we'll try to cover out some time moving forward before we start getting into the penn state talk talk about it too we'll see you guys later in the week